0: Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast, the host of the National Championship Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marlar, I am Conor Kira. Marlar, we are recording this at 10 a.m., roughly ten hours removed from LSU winning the national title. Five hours removed from the national title. That game took forever. That game did take forever. My question is, how many LSU fans are still drunk as of us recording this right now? And maybe even people listening to this on Wednesday morning. I, I would say most, hopefully most.
1: I mean, there, we'll share some stories about our greatest celebrations from championships. Um, I know I would. I just, I want to say how thankful I am that I'm not waking up in a hotel room with a Clemson fan Like, after the national championship game, like last year, at 7 a.m., trying to record this damn podcast. That
0: was the worst. That was an adventure. So, neither of us were were in New Orleans for this game. Unfortunately, we were watching it from our respective homes, but that's totally fine. And we're recording this the day after, because that game ended at, what, like 12.30, still had column to write. That would have been an extremely late night. So, apologies if you're listening to this a little bit later, but we have a full recap of this game. This game that you know, kind of went the way that we... kind that At least, it, and I'm not trying to say this is like a pat on the back, it kind of had a similar flow to what I thought we would see, which was Clemson comes out like gangbusters. I said Clemson was going to go into the half with the lead. That yeah. ultimately didn't happen, but it was LSU making the right adjustments and winning this game and capping off a season that... I've just never seen anything quite like it, and we're going to get into kind of the GOAT yeah. discussion and all of that a God. little bit later, but... You know, this was the ending that we kind of saw coming for the last couple of months, where Joe Burrow is sitting there, um, you know, joining in while the band played "neck" and LSU celebrates a national championship. Like, what more fitting end can we have than that?
1: It was, it was all the things that we thought were going to happen. They finally came to fruition, and it couldn't have. Like, I, I told Ali this beforehand, and, and I'm glad you brought up the fact that you were wrong about the halftime because she brought. That I was up. wrong. She said that she listened to the podcast the day she called said, me out. She said not only was he wrong about that, he was also wrong about Portland, and and so you guys have know, some. Next yeah, time you're in town, man, you whew, yep. man, you're in trouble. Um, no, I, you know it was one of those things. I think with the game itself, there was a part of me that was like, oh boy, a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous here because Clemson did come out like gangbusters, but it just goes back to how does a team stop this LSU offense
0: for sixty minutes? You just don't. Yeah. You just don't. You just don't. There's no way around it. And so with this win, you know, everybody's been dissecting the resume. And I, you know, we're going to talk a lot about this, this subject because it is so relevant. But a 15-0 and 0 season in which you beat seven teams who finished in the AP Top 25. Shout out Texas for sneaking in the Top 25. Did they really? So back, Texas. Oh, yeah. Wait, they haven't
1: seen the final Top 25. Who, yeah. who made beat the Top number 10?
0: Number two. So they beat number two. Oh, yeah. Bama made the Top 10. Don't worry. Bama, uh, Minnesota made the top 10 as well. Minnesota's, Minnesota's ahead of Minnesota Bama, 10. huh? No, no, no. Bama's at number eight. So LSU beat number two, beat number four, beat number six, beat number seven, beat number eight, and then also with the addition of the Auburn win um, and, and then the Texas win as well. LSU, What's more impressive than that real quick is that that's seven teams
1: also that were ranked in the top 40 in defense. That, I mean, the, that's crazy.
0: Beat the, the, the teams that were ranked in the top four coming into the season beat all. Of them. I mean that that's it's, it's ridiculous. It is Well, if it was a combined
1: ridiculous. score. So it was they beat they beat they beat Clemson by 17, they beat Georgia by 27? By 27. So uh, let me add this up. That's 69. Um nice. so they beat all three by 40 by 49 points which is exactly 16.3 repeating point. That's I mean that's almost three scores.
0: It's unbelievable when you think about what this team, what this team was able to do. And oh, by the way, the end. Clemson's 29-game winning streak, the longest active winning streak in the country, of course, the longest that we had seen in college football since Florida State with Jimbo Fisher and Jameis Winston. This so there's another stat here that I think is probably even more impressive than that. And our good friend Cole like threw this out there, and it just blows my mind to think about Clemson had won 89 straight games in which it had led by double digits. Eighty-nine straight games.
1: I I think one thing that I want everyone to remember from this, and as a Falcons fan that had to watch the Super Bowl, um, you know, and and then other teams that have blown leads. Clemson blew a 17 to seven lead. And I don't want that to be lost. I want everyone to remember that because this team that we all sat here and you could just that golly all shucks Dabo Swinney just on the sidelines smiling from ear to ear. Cause, cause I think he knew I was wrong about the field goal kicking. And now I think he, he early on, he didn't, he didn't choose to kick a <laughs> field goal. And I'll, I'll well, just, I'll, t- I'll tip of the cap on the on that one. He missed the first two drives doing that, pinned him deep. He hits a 52 yarder, which is outrageous. Um, and he's like, Man, I'm having the best time of my life. And then from that point on, Coach O put the clamps down. And I remember looking at Allie, I said, What if like but if this offense if this offense gets going, what if Aranda and Orgeron just put the clamps down on this on this Clemson team?
0: And, and sure they outscored off. them
1: thirty five to eight.
0: <laughs> thirty five to eight after that. I mean that's it was unbelievable to watch these adjustments. Clemson had won fifty straight games in which it had scored first. Just simply scoring first for this team Couldn't and
1: happen to a better team, huh better fan base better better coach
0: <laughs> for everybody that says you hate l s u man this this podcast is not going to prove that right that's for sure that yeah. is uh that is one hundred percent certain. I think early on in this game when we were watching this 17 to seven start yeah. and lSU was just backed up in its own territory and they they punted on the first possession for the first time since since the auburn game where they that was the first time they didn't score an opening yeah. possession. Touchdown since that Auburn game as well, and the first time that they had trailed since then, first time trailing by double digits all year, and and you know how are they going to respond to this one three seven that Brent Venables Brent Brent Venables basically just copied from Kevin Steele, the Auburn defensive coordinator, and it looks like LSU's offensive line wasn't going to pick up these blitzes, and then all of a sudden it was like, all right, we're good, we're going to yeah. get, I, and I thought you know I know he's my guy, and I hype him up more than maybe more than anybody, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire, those two runs that he had, where he got the eight yards, and then or it was like a four-yard play where he fought for extra yardage, and then he picked up that first down, and then the very next play was that long touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, the 52-yarder, where it was finally like, all right, they can breathe a little bit, and they feel like they can stretch the field out. They've kind of forced linebackers to keep their eyes in the backfield, yep. and then they take that shot single coverage, and that was all she wrote. So... Here's a question for you, and I'm being—I know that I'm romanticizing this—and
1: and I, I just flat out, you bring up the thing about me hating LSU because I think—I think we could all agree after this season, there's one thing you know about Chris Marlowe—he hates LSU. Um, no, I, I have not been this amped for a game that didn't involve my team, and I don't know how long. Allie, Allie was like I think very same. early, dude. Very early, Allie was like, "You need to calm down."
0: There, there's, there's four are the Same hours. thing. Lauren's in the sure, other room.
1: I'm sure, Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So Lauren's
0: <laughs> in the other room watching The Bachelor, and there was that play where where Burrow had the it was like a, a slip. He like scrambled, and then there was a really long um, reception, but they called it back because it yeah, first, first drive. And I like I like y- basically like, yelled at my TV like, "Oh my god, that's ridiculous," or something like that. Not not talking about the penalty. Yeah. I'm just talking about the play itself, yeah. and Lauren's like. Lauren comes in and she's like are are you okay? Like what what happened? I'm like I, I need to I need to chill a little bit. I need to yeah. just dial it back and but th- it was that kind of game. Sounds like
1: the same cuz I was over here not using curse words at all and just totally in <laughs> within myself and and not screaming cuz so it, it like I I'll just be honest with you man. I I don't like Clemson. I don't like I all this I used to beat that. Oh my god, man. I I used to I used to always Always go to bat for Clemson. Talk about how it's my favorite game day environment, and how I, I've gone there for so many, so many different games. And and the fans used to always be nice. And last year, and this is not because Bama lost to him last year, because Bama didn't lose to him; they got their ass kicked by him. But like, I've never seen a fan base. You know, they talk about this whole thing how the SEC sucks because they you're always cheering for the SEC, and no other no, conference does that. And it's like, I've never seen a I've never seen a fan base give it to an entire conference about one score in one game. So much as I did this off season with Clemson, and it couldn't have ha- like I was so fired up because I wanted to see LSU do what we had seen them do to every other team all season long, whether they were from the Big Twelve, whether they're from the SEC, or wherever Utah State's from. Like you just you knew it was coming, and and yeah, I, I was I, I didn't I didn't uh, there were a lot more four letter words I think flying around the the walls of, and of and rooms of my house than yours, but it was it was <laughs> like it was it was a culmination of something. It's like I'm trying to think I'm like. It, it's almost like when you're taking a final or taking a test but it's but there's way more way more on the line like where you know you're prepared you know you think the outcome is going to be and you're like all right if, if as long as this is the study guide is correct and and I know I know the answers I, I studied I'm prepared we're ready to go I, I know what the outcome should be and then for like a brief moment you're like oh god there's like there's there's like some 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 like little concern early, and it was like, no, this is a breeze. This is what we came, this is what we've seen all season long, this is what we should have expected. That's a terrible analogy, but that's what it is.
0: No, that's fair. This is the best coaching staff in America, and the way that they the way that sure. they responded, I mean, you, you can't say enough about it because in that moment where you fall behind ten points in a national championship and this is such unfamiliar territory, and is this gonna be just like what happened to Bama last year where all of a sudden you have these moments that don't go your way and then Clemson just runs away with it and we're talking about a Clemson dynasty you know there there were key points in that game where that absolutely could have happened but this team was just calm and it was yeah. collected and it had a coaching staff that recognized okay here's how we're going to attack this 137 here's how we're going to be able to pick up these blitzes we're going to have Joe Burrow on these more designed runs we're going to be able to figure things out defensively because early on we're talking about Brent Venables like he's Just the most valuable coach in America by game's end. I mean, I think you could say that about Dave Aranda and the job that they did against against Trevor Lawrence to contain him. It was just a game of adjustments in which LSU's coaching staff reminded us why this team has been so unflappable all year. And that's what Coach O needs to get credit for because this was a team that has had everything in the world written about them in terms of how historically dominant they were and we already talked about it going into the Oklahoma game about you know let's see how they respond to this award circuit and being told you know all these guys winning these individual awards and is there going to be a hint of distraction and no they were just focused on the task at hand and as cliche as it is they just went out there and, and delivered and executed in a way that you just don't see teams do.
1: No, you don't. You don't. And, and I remember what I was going to say before I got on that long-winded diatribe about, about uh, f- finals and tests. I don't know if – I guarantee you that Clyde Edwards-Alaire, from how many times he touched the ball, and I don't know the exact stats, he didn't, he didn't go to the ground from someone else's force. Like He wasn't tackled to the ground. Like, it, it was less times than he, than he ended a run or a catch standing up and delivering a blow. I, I honestly, I thought like I don't think he got tackled more than three times all night it, it was it, that bowling ball and just him running through around and, and over people it
0: was awesome it was awesome. He had over 150 yards from scrimmage by games end. <laughs> it was so good he preserved stretch, the under too. and he preserved the under too that, that's a that's a really good point um, I, I w- watching this game. I texted you after or no, you texted me actually after when it was seventeen to seven and Burrow had that, that QB draw on the five yard line and it was exactly like what happened against yeah. Auburn, where when we were there and I, I called it out to you and Mickey Sherroomy, shout out to Mickey, and I said, QB draw, right here, it's gonna right. happen. And then in that Auburn game it did, and that was kind of what would what, what allowed you know LSU to relax when they converted in the red zone. And in this game, it felt like it had a similar impact, where Joe Burrow calling his own number was just so key at so many different points in that game, and you know the fact that he was able to settle in and and realize that he had a an obvious mismatch on the outside. Jamar Chase was dominating oh AJ Terrell all night. They just mean, didn't want he to guard him, I guess. Like. <sighs> They couldn't. They couldn't. <laughs> and we asked the question for the entire 16 days leading up to this, can Clemson's defensive backs stick on these LSU receivers? No. No. And you know what? You you saw that play out because that was so one-sided. And Jamar Chase even had that play where he dropped that ball in the end zone where it just hit right off his shoulder pad on the perfect throw that Burrow had. And it could have been an even bigger night yeah. for him. But it, they couldn't stop him. They had no answer whatsoever. No, they didn't, and and I think you know I, we
1: had to go on radio this morning and talk about this, and they were like, you know, the, like the, I think you're gonna have a lot of Clemson fans talk about. Well, I mean, just we ran into a buzzsaw, saw, and it was it was the greatest team of all time, blah blah. And I think you know what it really was is this LSU team that that like especially offensively, this was everything that people said Bama was last year, and and I can tell you like going into the national championship game with two and all that kind of stuff, I can tell you from watching both firsthand. All season long, this LSU offense is unlike any. It's it's unlike that. It's unlike the, the the team from last year. But it's it's as unstoppable as we thought that team was last year. And and it is it is the most dominant offense and one of the most dominant teams I have ever seen in probably I have ever seen. It, I say you you can put them up there with 2001 Miami, and we'll get to like all the comparisons, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know of another defense that would for 60 minutes is going to stop the LSU team. Clemson was was number one. We broke down all these numbers. Clemson was number one in almost every... They were one or two in three of the four major statistical categories. And they had a 10-point lead. And they sacked Burrow five times. They did all the things you would think they were supposed to do. They copied Auburn and that defense, which should come as no surprise... Because Clemson is basically just Auburn with a lake. Anyway, it's the same exact thing. They've stolen most things from them. And I tell you what, at the start of that game, you look at Clemson's mascot and he looked a lot more like Mike, and Ugh. he had he didn't have the crazy eyes and everything seemed fine. And by the end of the end of the game, as somebody said on a Facebook group, he looked like a deranged stuffed animal that you pulled from a house fire. And it was it, that's I think that's the best way to describe that entire team. And and, and like Trevor Lawrence, incredible quarterback. Davo Sweeney running an incredible program. But you got what you deserved. That's that is I win. I you're so lucky. You are so lucky. LSU didn't put punch one more in because I because like that would have been the icing on the cake for the entire country sitting here listening to Davos Sweeney bitch and moan all season long.
0: It became America's team. LSU did for a variety of reasons and. You talk about Dabo and wanting to get that respect, and he, the, you know, the the storyline came out before where he was telling his team, "Hey, look, we're we're rocky going into Russia facing it, didn't like facing that. Drago," and, and and a lot of a lot of people would tend to disagree with that because, in my opinion, it was the other way around. LSU yeah. was America's team that everybody was everybody was rooting for in this game, and there's a reason that we talked about this LSU team so differently than than Clemson, and just because. We hadn't seen anything quite like this. Now we've seen really good offenses, and you know it's not going to go down in terms of uh, points per game as the most historic, historically dominant offense that we've ever seen. But you you hear people like Kirk Herbstreit, who's I mean he's seen everything. He's yeah. seen every big time game. He's been up there for like this is somebody who's been at the forefront of college football and has consumed it nonstop for the last thirty plus years and even he said this is the most dominant offense i've ever seen and i didn't like though that he said actually before the game he said you know this is the most impressive or you know most dominant offense i've ever seen but if lsu doesn't win then people won't remember it and i still even if you know i know this didn't happen so this is going down a different road but even if lsu had lost that game and if it had been some sort of you know 42 to 38 thrilling showdown maybe you know reminiscence year muffet 2016 national yeah. championship, or even 2017. I think that we are, you know, talking about this in in a different way, to a certain extent. But what this LSU team did in 15 games is just it's remarkable, and we've run out of words. I think at this point to to try and find ways to describe it.
1: Yeah, and I think you know it's one of those things too. And I said this last night, um, and I didn't I didn't finish this this Facebook post or Twitter or tweet about it. that I'm saying like, enjoy it while you can. Cause what I really wanted to say was, and there was no way to say it without it coming off in a bad way. And I'm probably, I'm going to say it now anyway, but like I wanted to say, enjoy it while you can, because not in a bad way. Absolutely. It's just, it's these, these seasons don't come around that, that often. And, and, and there are, there are, there are seasons and years and like moments in time where, where it seems like this wasn't one of those things where it's like, man, everything had to go right for this team or, they avoided injury because that definitely didn't.
0: ten Auburn felt a little bit like that. That's a good way. point,
1: Connor. And I'm glad you said those words, and not me. But no, but but I mean, this team. It was just it's it, like soak soak it in for as much as you can, as long as you can, because this was this was so incredibly special to watch every single like and, and you it just like Tebow brought it up. He's like, you can't write a better storybook ending to this. So you can't write a, a better can't. script because it's like, all right, hold on. You're telling me they're going to they're going to start out the season and you got this Heisman trophy winner that's going to be 201 odds and then they're going to go to Texas and beat Matthew McConaughey in Texas and then they're going to go to Alabama and beat Alabama and they're going to beat five top 10 teams and I wish I had it in front of me cuz we could probably do it in our head right now but if you had if you add those extra two games how much did they beat Oklahoma by they beat Oklahoma so they beat, by... by beat Oklahoma by 35. 35, and they beat Florida by 14. So that's 49. So 49-49 is 98. Divided by 5, they beat top 10 teams by 19.6 points per game. That is outrageous. Like Out, like that, like, and, and, and for them to do that the entire season, and then, like I said, going into... There were so many little subplots and storylines along the way. And you had the, the Clyde Edwards-Alaire and, and Burrow, and, and it just never stopped. And it, I'm so glad it never stopped because it was... An incredible ride, an incredible journey to be able to experience, even with LSU fans. If you're not an LSU fan, they—I think they—this is going to sound so lame, but I'm going to say it. They just captured America's heart, man. They really did. They did. They did. This cold, black heart sitting here inside (laughs) under this Oregon State Beavers dry fit—you captured it, guys.
0: And the discussion immediately began afterwards about Joe Burrow and, and whether or not it was the greatest season that we've ever seen from a college football player. And there was talking to talking to Cole Cube like this morning. He was hosting SCC this yeah. morning. Amazingly, after he went on SVP last night. I mean, that guy's been a machine lately. He's been yeah. everywhere. And talking to even him because he is always banging the drum. Look, 2010 Cam. There's never been anything like that. And he made the comparison about how, you know, just like Chizik always brings up about how no players on that team were on the offensive side of the ball were, were drafted and you know, didn't yeah. have a single catch from a, another player on that roster in the NFL or a single carry, whatever it was. And all those things led you to believe that, yes, what Cam did is just so impossible to replicate. And Burrow obviously had more talent around him. But even Cole was like, this is the best season I've ever seen. Without a doubt. Of any player and there there are certain moments where you just kind of realize it because watching that game last night where he throws burrow throws the touchdown pass at the end of the first half to thad moss where thad moss is just standing there in the end (laughs) waiting for it and Burrow takes a shot to the ribs. Just gets demolished on this hit where, where Clemson brought pressure. It's coming off the field. He tells teammates not to touch him. Yeah. And he comes out in the second half early on, and and he's laboring. He did not look like himself. And all of a sudden you're wondering, man, is, is this how this story is going to end sucked. with Joe Burrow not being at 100%? And then he starts calling his own number and running. And as Herb Street says, he plays the position like a linebacker. Yep. And pretty soon he's stepping into throws and making these big-time plays downfield, and it's all good. Yeah. And that sequence is just a reminder that his confidence, his toughness is so unmatched in these little moments like that, just like last year against UCF where he responds to the blindside hit on the pick six, and he just takes off and yep. he takes his game to new heights. Those are the moments that we need to remember about Joe Burrow because that that's rare That's rare yeah. to watch a quarterback do that within a game when you know he was hurting and you know that there was every everything in his in his brain in his body said, you need to be able to take care of yourself, and he was like, "No, I'm right. not doing that." This, you this, want to talk about a Rocky today.
1: comparison, like like Rocky coming up, and which is still one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. And he's like hitting himself in the face. Like, Come on, you ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. And then like Drago's just like lighting so him up. Bad. Yeah, he's, that was good. That was really good. Really uh, weird. My Rocky's all right. I wish we right. didn't make eye contact when you did it, but it was good. <laughs> uh, when, when, when he's like hitting himself, and he's like, "Dude, stop! Hey, Rock, stop doing that. You're gonna get hit worse by Drago." That it was, it was, it was reminiscent of that almost with with Burrow, and I, I tell you what, man, it, it, this is something. It, it's it's always it's always fun, and I think you could definitely see the leadership qualities from a, a guy like that. There's there's a lot of players like this in the country, but I don't know as much as this as this guy, where it's like a team takes on that toughness, and and the team takes on the toughness from a, their their leader and Coach O, but also like a player that's a leader, like like Burrow. You saw it last year. Like like some there's there's been people that have brought this up nonstop, and it was like. From this moment on, when UCF took that cheap shot in that game, these are his numbers since then. And and I know that seems like kind of far fetched, or maybe it's like a, it's an unfair starting point of where. But I don't know if it is because it's
0: it's like ever since then he's been he's been incredible. He's he's just been incredible and the last to watch. game. The last game that he lost that A seven overtime game. Was in my opinion one of the most impressive games of his career. Yeah. Everybody's gonna forget about that because it was a loss and it wasn't part of this magical twenty nineteen season. But go back and watch that game, and you'll be like, "Oh crap! Yeah, why did we not realize that this guy was going to well, to be really, really special?"
1: And and you know, several times last night Herb brought up the fact that this offense was archaic, and I thought that was such an imp- like a, an important word for him to bring up because when he said archaic, like like a lot of people will say like that's you know maybe it's a stretch, or maybe it's an exaggeration or embellishment or whatever. This is a. We, I brought this stat up earlier in the year, and this is a crazy stat. To think of, it's for either eight or ten years prior to this. LSU ranks last for eight straight years, minimum, last in the SEC, or second to last in the SEC in touchdown passes thrown. Think about that. They had six. He had.
0: Go ahead. He had. He had. Joe Burrow this year had more touchdown passes than LSU had in the past four seasons combined. And he and he broke
1: that. I think a week or two ago, like
0: like I get like, like a couple games
1: ago. This wasn't this game. Gosh. I mean, it's just it's it's nuts to think about, and it's it's it was. You know, I was I was on in Charlotte this morning and talking to to Mac and T Bone or whatever from from mm-hmm. that that station. It's ACC country, and they were talking about how like should the Panthers go out and get Joe Brady? And I'm like, yeah, it's not first office. That's like, what
0: they're that's that's what they're saying. Matt Rule was going to do though,
1: pay him whatever amount of money because you look at it, and it's like. You went from 16 touchdowns to 60. And, and he was like, Yeah, 66 overall. Like an influx of 50 touchdowns. That is, he, if, if you, if any, I don't care how low the bar is set the year before, not saying that he had a bad season here before, but when you quadruple your touchdown numbers and you only increase your interception numbers by two total, that's stupid. That's just stupid.
0: I don't want people to all of a sudden think that what LSU did is is necessarily the norm. That should not yeah. be the norm in college football. This is such the exception to the rule because it, we're going to talk later about whether or not this is, what what is sustainable for LSU, right. what the future kind of looks like, but this was a combination that I'm not sure we're ever going to see anything quite like this. And I know that we kind of say that a lot and it's, you know, maybe five years from now we're we're having a different discussion about a different offense, but... I just felt like the pieces and everything in place for this offense was what made it so unstoppable. And, yeah. and having somebody like Brady and Ensminger, where you know Entzminger was the guy who made the calls on first and second down, and it's Joe Brady just doing the, the third down too. calls. And and those moments are are, are really kind of what define this team, where you have the, this partnership and this this mindset of it, it's all around balance. Yeah. And it starts, of course, with the quarterback and with somebody like Joe Burrow having this mindset where. If he took his foot off the gas or if he lost focus at any point this season, I mean, any point, we're not talking about LSU winning a national championship because there were too many potential landmines on this schedule yeah. and moments where the tide could have changed. And while he made it look so easy, I just think that what he was able to do week in, week out, and and set this, this touchdown mark, this 60-touchdown pass mark, which in my opinion is going to be untouchable, yeah, it's it's the best season of all time for a college football player. It has to be. Yeah,
1: I don't think it's in question. And you know, in speaking to that, Connor, I, I want to make sure that people also understand that as much as we're talking about LSU, that this is not this is still a Bama podcast, and we want everyone. to <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> want everyone, I'm kidding, but I do. I do want to say this thing. I, this thing with with Joe Burrow. I thought about this this morning. I went to I walked down to Starbucks to go get coffee, and it hit me that like because I'm so. Effing bummed. The season's over. It takes it takes a minute to like. We're not season. talking about that. We're go not on. talking about
0: that. We're pretending that that's not happening. Yeah,
1: but like, you know what? Question. I'm already over, and and I I I'm like so thankful to be on radio stuff now and do do things on the television box crack. machine and all this other stuff. But I can tell you the question that I will not respond well to at all, and I will go to keep a straight face is if, and you know it's going to come up and it's going to be written about because it's a long off season. Who's the first idiot that it don't actually say names, but but like who's the who's gonna be the first idiot that's gonna be like, who's this year's Joe Joe Burrow, like and Oops. that's gonna be the worst. That is gonna be the worst because this is it, it. One, it cheapens what he accomplished this year, and two, right, it's it's not something it's repeatable. It's like it's it's just not. It's like you you look at his passing touchdowns, okay, for reference. The only reason I know this one is because we had to do the, the the player of the decade thing, okay. So I'm not trying to bring this player up specifically because of anything else but I know that Tua had 87 passing touchdowns right in in his two-year span I think that ranked like seventh overall in past cities or maybe ninth I don't know Joe Burrow had 76 in two seasons they, like that's you think about the numbers where that vaults you up in in terms of like in all-time history in the SEC in two short seasons that is that is incredible the statues are,
0: are going to come out yep. and I'll, I'll say this because i agree 100 percent that having that conversation the key the key caveat and and i threw this out there because there are people probably listening to that who are like maybe maybe people are listening yeah. to this are are thinking wait didn't connor say that about kyle trask for the record oh i said i said look <laughs> this needs to be known when i say that who is going to to try and be like next year's joe burrow i don't mean that 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 kyle trask is going to replicate that kind of production by any stretch of the imagination when i say that i mean the guy who had a really solid season and is going to take a significant next step kyle trask is not going to put up joe burrow numbers nobody in college football is going to put up joe burrow's joe burrow's numbers next year against especially against that type of competition it's not going to happen but yeah that that is going to be discussed a lot, and to me, what what is just so unbelievable, and what, the numbers that are going to stand the test of time, even if we do get into this this era where you know maybe maybe more people approach that sixty touchdown sixty passing touchdown mark than I think will. Yeah. But just consider this: Joe Burrow against top ten teams this year, and that's teams that finished in Man. the top ten, not just right. the, the teams the seven teams at the time that they played. The teams that finished in the top 10, which there were five of them that LSU beat, he averaged 392 or 398 passing yards, 4.4 touchdown passes with a 22 to 0 touchdown interception ratio, and he averaged 45.4 rushing yards per game. By the way, add that all up, do some quick math. That's an average of 443.6 scrimmage yards and 4.8 touchdowns. With seventy four percent passing, five and zero in those games, team scored an average of forty six points. It's the greatest season. I I I I know what Tebow did.
1: I know what what uh, what do you call it? What what Cam did. I it's, I it's the greatest season. I think in SEC history. It it really. What more could you
0: want a player to do? Exactly,
1: exactly. And I hope everyone understands too. When I brought up the two number, that was strictly for a point of reference. That was not for like. In comparison, in any way, like this is yeah, yeah. this is trigger best. And also, I didn't realize
0: that you had said that about uh, about,
1: the, about the Joe Burrow thing. That well, was no, not I, calling I, you out. That was, I
0: made sure. I made sure to no. I made sure. I'm, I'm glad you said that yeah. though, because I, I made sure to say in, in the story, and I said, I, I think I even had some sort of wording or the way yeah. that I phrased it in the headline that wasn't to say he's not going to be Joe Burrow 2.0. Right. But there is that conversation of who is going to take that next step because. You don't see stuff like this no. coming all the time. And I, I, as much as I was a believer in Joe Burrow... To, to think that this was possible was just so far yeah. beyond comprehension that, it, of course, it was off everybody's radar. We were debating in the beginning of the year if he deserved to be a third-team All-SEC quarterback coming into the year ahead of Kellen Mond and your boy, Jared Garantano. I
1: had him behind Jared Garantano. <laughs> just, and by the way, I also want to point out uh, two more things that I think are just current current events. Three more things that are current events topics before we move on. I'm assuming the next conversation is the GOAT debate, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So let me say three things. One, happy birthday, Pastor Patty Sue. She turned 60 today. Speaking of, Joe Burrow threw one touchdown pass for every year she's been alive, which I thought was a really sweet gesture of Joe.
0: Nice tribute. Appreciate
1: that. Um second off, I just got a text from a good buddy of mine, Clint Massey. I, I don't know if this is gonna be a thing, but did you see the video of OBJ just
0: just passing out yes. H- yes. that's not that's not good? I don't. I so. I if you haven't seen it, I had this. I originally had this, in it might mean too much. But we have a very special. It might. Oh mean yeah, too we should have it the to. top. Yeah, we have the Shreveport story. It's yeah, coming in. It Shreveport might too mean coming, too much. It's coming today. And I took that out because there was video that surfaced where Odell Beckham is just dapping up. He's dapping up um, Justin Jefferson. And he's just pulling out wads of cash. And he's just, like, pulling them out. He's like, one bill, one, two, two bill, three bill. And then he just gives them. And everybody can see it right there. And he's not even hiding it. And he's like, Justin Jefferson, obviously, is a junior. And he could theoretically return to LSU. So they're going to have to look into that. But that's just one of those moments of, like, LSU doesn't care. This is this is New Orleans. There's I, no do, for real, dude. They're,
1: they're, they're above that because it's they're so damn likable. I can just tell you from experience, one team that I know uh, – Got put on probation because of a three hundred dollar handshake that was signed on a cocktail napkin in nineteen ninety two. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, hopefully, this is not a, a thing. I, I like. I don't like. There's this is. It's way too early, and, and I don't think whoever filmed it because I, I I know the person who filmed it is, is is super nice and she's a great reporter. I don't think any of it is done in like. Look at the NCAA. Like you guys need to see this. Nothing. Yeah, nothing yeah. needs to like shed light on anything bad. I just thought it was hilarious that OBJ was just out, just That's like so just making it rain. It just like like you've heard of like a hundred dollar handshake. It's like an eight hundred dollar handshake. He just it was it was it was funny. And then the last thing I wanted to say is something I forgot. Uh, it was what were we just talking about before this. It was very important. Talking about Tim
0: McGraw's performance Jeez, beforehand? No, we were not. That was a we uh, rough look for my and guy, we Tim. we were not
1: going to. You know what amazes uh, me about Tim McGraw, and it always will, is how he's able to fit in those jeans. What, what what size pants are those? Like 29?
0: He is about as in shape as any person you will see yeah. in, in in the entertainment business. He is it's impressive. It's young. impressive. I'll tell you what. I don't remember
1: exactly what I was going to say, but I, I will promise you this. When As soon as I remember it, I will interrupt whatever you're saying to make sure I bring it That's up. That's fine. Okay, there you go. I
0: would expect nothing less. It'd be <laughs> weird if you didn't, if you just kind of pause and waited to say that at the end. It's It'd fair. be very very ex- off-brand for you. Get
1: excited. The Shreveport story is coming in hot.
0: Yes, it, it is coming. But there are a few things that, that I want to discuss just to put a bow on all things LSU. The GOAT debate. I wrote this last night, and I had, we had talked about it before for weeks leading into this. And sure enough, it was a very popular topic of conversation before and after LSU won. The greatest team in college football history. On the 150th year of college football, we see this type of a national champion who is the most battle-tested national champ of all time. Because the stat that I keep bringing up to show that is LSU beat six teams that finished in the top 15 of the AP poll. 2001 Miami had three. 2004 USC, three such wins. 1971 Nebraska, 20, 2018 Clemson, also three wins against teams that finished in the final top 15 of the AP poll. And 1995 Nebraska, which, yes, won every game by at least 14 points. And, of course, Florida fans, ear Earmuffet oh, God. had a pre-lopsided national championship win. That Nebraska team... Beat four teams that finished in the final top fifteen of the AP poll. That to me is what separates this LSU team. Yeah, that's that. That's not going anywhere. That that's enshrined. Football's going to change in the way that we talk about it, but in terms of beating elite competition and looking the part, that's as good as it's ever going to get, right there.
1: Yeah, agreed. It's hold on. It's, it's, so we're talking about they beat six top fifteen.
0: They beat six five top, in the top in the eight. final. Five in the top eight. That
1: that is the number right there, which is like, well, first off, they're one of the top eight. So you beat five of the other <laughs> yeah. seven. You beat seven. Sorry, th-
0: Oregon, Ohio State. Yeah. You didn't get a chance to play against LSU this year. I, I
1: just like I don't want to keep going off on on math and, and numbers today, but that 73 is, is C- So seven seven twenty seventy three percent. It's seven. It's it's seventy two point seven percent of 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 like. The entire top eight was their top seven was beaten by them. Like that's that is outrageous. It's, it's I, we've never seen anything like this. And I, I was looking forward to Clemson to give them like the benefit of the doubt because of they they have three top fifteen wins. Their fourth was against number sixteen against a And M uh, in a road game, which is still great and all that kind of stuff. I, yeah, we've we've never seen anything like this. And, and, and like I said, you bring up those five wins against the top eight. They were by an average margin of victory of nineteen
0: point six points per game the final top eight. Final. Not just, oh, they, at the time that they played. Because initially that was going around because the seven top 10 teams that LSU beat and that stat was getting thrown around and the haters were jumping in and saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter where teams ranked at the time they play." Okay, there's all your, there's all the numbers you need about the teams that ended up. And Cole Kubelik had this great stat about all the teams that LSU beat and how they won this bowl, they won this conference. Like battle tested over the course of time. Yeah. And to to be able to to win and go fifteen and zero in a year like that, where if if LSU was fourteen and one, and let's just say that they still made the playoff, but they had lost to Auburn yeah. or something like that, we can't have this discussion. No, we we can't. But it's because they went fifteen and zero, and that that to me separates it from the the even the ninety five Nebraska team, yeah. which. Yes, incredibly dominant, but they went 12-0, and and that was a team that was actually number 89 in the country in passing, and they just ran the triple option and was content to say, Corey Schlesinger right down your throat. Yeah, we're just going to have the biggest, best offensive line. And LSU, the balance and what we saw from this team is amazing. I know that there are people who are going to say, well two thousand one Miami had more, more pro talent. That was just an NFL yeah, team. Sure. That's that's not what's being debated here. Right. That's not. And we can have that's a totally separate discussion in my opinion. And we'll People have it are in the offseason. Yeah, well I'm sure we'll have it in the offseason. People are gonna say, well, that two thousand and one Miami team wouldn't have been run over by Vandy or Ole Miss. Nobody talks about Miami scoring eighteen points against Boston College or the two point win they had against Virginia. I think it Tech. was nineteen. Talks was it about nineteen
1: that. to thirteen or nineteen to something like that?
0: It was, I think, it was eighteen to
1: seven. Yeah, it was something stupid. <laughs> it was really like, weird scores. Like, it was, how you it was where Ed Reed uh, took the ball from his own player and ran it back for a touchdown, and then somebody over pursued. And he, 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 I remember watching that game on ABC. It was, it was a great game, or maybe it was CBS, because um, that was like weird back then when they had like they still had Big East, which I, you know, was always the anyway. Anyway, they're bringing shout out Big East. Are they bringing the Big East back? Did I dream that?
0: You dreamt that. Damn. I dreamt
1: that. God, I got real excited about that because I was just thinking like maybe it was last night I had that dream because that that was the best basketball tournament anyway. Let's focus on football. My bad. Um, I I think this is the greatest team of all time in terms of in terms of dominance. There's no way to look at this team and look at like most balanced team on offense and defense. Nope. It's hard to look at a team and I know that this doesn't matter as much and people are going to get mad when I say it. It's hard to look at a team like that gave up four hundred yards rushing to Ole Miss and think this is the greatest team ever that had some of these quote unquote defensive issues. But I will tell you, when they got healthy, we saw everything they were capable of. And even when they weren't healthy, which is for what we later found out a majority of the season, basically two thirds of the season where they weren't fully healthy. I mean, you we don't talk about it enough. The injuries for
0: LSU. The, the way the way that they finished, the way it, they finished it, in my so opinion strong. indicates Indicates that. What Trevor Lawrence was trying to accomplish on Monday night, like I said earlier, somebody who was 60 minutes away from having the best two-year start in the history of college football. Yeah. guy who had never lost a start before. And imagine the conversation that we'd be having about Trevor Lawrence oh if God. Clemson had won that game against that LSU team. And I think Dave Miranda just deserves all the credit in the world because Trevor Lawrence in the second half looked like a player that... we He looked... Worse than he ever has before, and I know he had kind of a slow start to the year where he's making he's you know he's throwing interceptions and stuff like that. But the overthrows that he was having in this game and trying to test the these these LSU defensive backs on the outside, it didn't work after it did early on. Now I know early on he attacked Christian Fulton and Christian Fulton just had a, a rough game yeah. early well, in the first half. Against two very good especially. receivers, against two very good receivers, and they were winning those matchups, but. He responded after that game, or after after that rough start, and here's was the the pass interference that was called back. And after that, he was really really good. Stevens was lights out, and I don't know if Derek Stingley allowed a completion. Okay, so that is one he he,
1: he he allowed one, and it was in a zone coverage and it was in the third quarter. And I I wanted to say this earlier, and I, I wish that we would have given more light to this. Derek Stingley is the best corner in college football. It's not close. He shut down half the field last night, and and yep. and Delpit he had times last night where he looked bad. Uh, Christian Fulton, I thought, held for most of the first three quarters. He he was just clinging on to people, and it was it was a good job on his on his end because it was like it was stuff that you see veteran cornerbacks do and not get and, and get away with a lot of times like where it's
0: just like cuz they were letting a lot of that stuff they go were. too where pass interference was was not and I know that they they had the controversial call on that long what looked like a long touchdown yeah. to T Higgins where you know I who's it Stevens or whoever that that kind of got like thrown off yeah. him but you know for the most part they were pretty much letting him play yeah
1: agreed and it was it was one of those things where i think uh like you do see, I mean, like, listen, Clemson's a great football team. They're 14 they 0. We saw the numbers and we talked about the numbers going into the game. And Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence having 25 total touchdowns in the last seven games and zero turnovers is, is ridiculous. And Clemson as a team, one turnover in the last seven games. Like they've, and that, that red zone defense, we saw so many things that they've been great at. It was amazing sitting here. And, and the reason why I brought up the Ole Miss stuff and, and the stuff at LSU early on is because. I, I was wrong for sure about this defense, thinking it was it wasn't very good because I think it, when you look back on it now, the only answer and the only thing to look like to 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 pin on something like that happening is that they must not have been healthy because when you hold teams like Clemson to under 400 yards, especially when you're up by that much in the second half, when you hold when you hold teams to like like Oklahoma to under 100 yards rushing and they haven't done that in 53 games, Trevor Lawrence didn't have a touchdown pass. That, like That's that is amazing, and, and and Derek Singley, I don't remember anything happening even close to his side of the field. And you know it was what was impressive. And I read this stat before the game was in twelve of fourteen games this season. I think it was Pro Football Focus. Trevor Lawrence had a touchdown pass on a vertical route like of thirty yards or more, where they just basically throw like they, they get they get a a, a a safety over the top, and they get the, the defense they want. They're gonna throw it deep because you got two guys on the outside, Justin Ross and, and, and T. Higgins, who are big physical wide receivers that like, go up and get a football. They they tried that so many times last night, and a couple times it, it it like it came. I wouldn't say a couple times. I think it happened like once, and they got a couple pass interference calls. But they tried it over and over and over again, and you saw this defense. They, I mean, they Etn never broke off anything big. I, it, like his long was twenty nine, but it wasn't anything. I thought they should have relied on him a little bit more. Probably so. I, they probably so. I guess, but I mean. Every every phase of the game. Clyde edwards alaire 16 carries, 110 yards. He outperformed ETN. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had 18 incompletions. I guarantee you that's that's I'm pretty sure that's one less than he had the last two games combined. I mean, it, like he 18 incompletions and it was still less than Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was under 50% completion.
0: It looked, everything looked like it was difficult for, for Trevor Lawrence. And to me, that's that's what is going to make this LSU defense not necessarily take away from this team's status as the greatest all. of all time. If you if you pinpoint that game and if there if there is that debate moving forward where people clap back and they say, Well, you can't call LSU the greatest of all time. I I think Trevor Lawrence and the way that he's going to continue to develop as one of the best college football players of all time, I think that's only gonna add to this this what LSU was able to yep. do in a 60-minute stretch and the adjustments that they were able to make. By the way, overlooked subject. Oh God. That college football 150 ranking. Oh my god. What in the world I, you went know, into that? If
1: you're showing graphic I'm sorry for yelling. If you're if you're showing graphics in color. Then I damn sure don't want to see a black and white picture of whoever, Johnny Crazy Legs McGee, like who, like I, Roger Staubach. I don't, I don't get it, and I, I didn't live through it, so I don't know. Lee Corso said he's the greatest college football player he's ever seen. Sure, what? and he knows more than I do about football. He's he's lived it his entire life. But when you tell me that somebody had thirteen hundred yards passing and they won the Heisman, I'm like, what else was going on
0: in the country? So along those same lines, our guy Candler Cook sent me a text yeah. after seeing that Jim Brown was named the best college football player of all time and you know Jim Brown kind of has earned this this status as a legend for the last 50 yeah. years and, and that's not necessarily <laughs> so something that everybody's mean. gonna look at. Yeah, I mean, he is and like his his career is is legendary of course so nobody's necessarily gonna look at that and be like, well, wait, what are you talking about? Koehler texted me and he said, how is Jim Brown the greatest college football player of all time when he barely rushed for over 2,000 yards? You know,
1: um, I, 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 have an, I have a theory and I'm not going to get into it today. Um, but I will say, yeah, he, he had, well, I, he, in the same way, I don't know who who would be the best way to compare it to. They'd never seen it before. So I guess I guess that makes sense in terms of you know like I mean he 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 didn't break the color barrier in college football he but he was a guy that we had we'd never seen anything like that in college football so it's easy to say man you know m- maybe he was the best I, I, <laughs> when they say most feared of all time I am pretty confident that he lost a game in a bowl game to an SEC team fifty one
0: to six so. Give me Herschel. Give me Bo. Where was Bo? Give me Barry Sanders. Bo was three. No, where was he though? Oh, why wasn't he there? Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. That's, That's a that really good point. It's. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I. I think
1: one. It's a testament to. I was almost surprised they didn't do two A two B, with with Herschel and Bo just to keep that argument going forever. Um, that was interesting, and it just, the whole top 11, I don't know why it was, was it 11 because there's 11 men on a football field, is that what they were trying to do, or like, uh, I, I don't, it, it, I don't, I'm so over the Roger Stallback thing after hearing it so many times this season, and I'll tell you what, if you're, if you're gonna sit here, and and these people know a lot more than I do about football, and they've been covering it longer, and what the I ever that. else, but like. If you're going to tell me that Tim Tebow is the 76th best college football player of all time, we have an issue. And and I, we need, leave. leave. Just leave. leave. Get out of here. Leave. We need, we need to look at. You're not welcome at this discussion. No, you're not. You're not. And I didn't look at the whole list because the fact that AJ McCarron wasn't on it was total bullcrap. <laughs> and I'll say this.
0: So, go ahead. So you know how um, there was that video of Marcus Spears laughing when um, yeah. Dan Orlovsky <laughs> yeah. tried to make the argument. <laughs> about, you know, Trevor Lawrence being being yeah. better than Joe Burrow and look at the numbers and don't tell me about not being battle tested and Marcus Spears laughed him off yeah. the set. Like literally like walked off the set and died laughing. If any human being ever tried to tell me Tim Tebow is not a top 50 player in the history of college football, I would do the Marcus Spears thing. I would laugh them out of the room and say, "All right, like come back. Let's 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 have Dude, a real discussion about this because I can't take that seriously." And then
1: try to tell you top top 60 Top 70, top 75. And you're like, no. What if I told no, you? Not yet. Then what are you doing? Like, like and, and what, here's, what are we doing? Here is, and you know, like what bothers me about it, let me just get on the soapbox for a second. What bothers me about it is it's, we're in this time now where we're so over. I'll just, this is what I was trying to say really about Jim Brown. We overcompensate so much for yep. in so many different arenas and areas of, of argument or in discourse and in conversation where it's like we try to do too much. In this in this instance, don't do too much. Like you, you, we all saw Tim Tebow. I don't know who all was on this damn panel. I think I saw most of it. I love Ryan McGee. I don't think Ryan McGee saw Red Grange. I don't think Heather Dennett saw Red Grange. I don't think Marcus Spears saw Red Grange. I, I, I've we all watched Tim Tebow and what he did for four years. There's no way there are 75. And I'm sorry to only use Tim Tebow as as the argument, but like. This is so stupid. This is so like they built this up the entire year and they did so many cool things where they had all these cool storylines and they and they debated and they had this round table discussion and it was it was great, but like you failed big time in, in this big and, time. You, the, only, the only thing that was a bigger failure in in, in on Monday night than this was that <laughs> I knew it was gonna happen, was that stupid ass David vs. Goliath Dr. Pepper commercial. Man, that uh, was bad. That chest pass. The Kenny
0: Main commercials, the Kenny Main ones were bad was, too. Really bad. They're you know, not like
1: this. I'll say it, I don't think he was live one time. I don't think he was live one time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, it would surprise me very much to find out that he was live. Um, he definitely was not. But yeah, that, that whole thing was weird. Smart little move by them to just kind of slip it in there at halftime. And uh, I, I almost breezed right past it because, you know, you're doing other things during yeah. halftime and, you know, and then I I, I stopped and I, I did a double take. I'm like, wait a minute, they just said what? Yeah, what? Uh, to it's, me, and that, also that you is, know it's weird oh. too.
1: You forget about because like they they had a lot of these people had passed away. So you have you have like their their relatives. You forget that people in like the 1800s and early 1900s were having kids in their 60s because it was like here's Red Grange's granddaughter, and you're like. It was cousin. It was his cousin. Oh well, yeah, wasn't that was it? that was. They didn't, but then they had. Oh, it was Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe. They were like, hey, oh, listen, Jim right. Thorpe, one of the best athletes of all time. He was an all-American. I think in like four different sports. It was in the Olympics or whatever it was. Don't tell me that Jim Thorpe. Would you want to put Jim Thorpe on an island? Like, you know what I mean? Like against who? Like, like let me run routes against Jim Thorpe. Let let me run routes against Jim Thorpe <laughs> and see what happens. I just, I just, I, it it, makes, it blows my mind. But yeah, it's that is crazy. You forgot that that people were. Having babies in their seventies and then dying like a minute later—it's just craziness. I don't get it. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's <laughs> um, <cousin>. LSU, though. No. <laughs> LSU obviously is not going to be added by the the college football one hundred and fifty yeah. people for for whatever reason. They're they're just going to totally negate this uh, this um, impressive year that LSU was able to put together. Do we have? I, and I don't I don't know the answer to this question. I'm legitimately asking this. Do we have Coach O? No. Kojo's not, not available. He's not available. I'm not bad. He's he's on Bourbon Street. He is on Bourbon
1: Street. I, you know, here's the thing, man. I just had so much fun enjoying last night, and I forgot. Oh no way, Oh, man. Oh boy. Okay, so calm down. We got a guest. Got him. Got him. <laughs> Gotta play my intro music. Dun 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 That's enough. God. That's enough, Let me tell you something today. Let me tell you what it's like to be a champion. Okay, I know you got talk about Red Grain, Jim Thor, all the people. Jim Thor ain't got nothing on dare Stingley, at all, at all. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You haven't won anything in your life. What take? You what? Won-
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you you have. Anything- I have a coach. I- Go tell me.
0: I you know what I did? I did. I won a contest one time when I was when I was a kid. And I got to, you know, go to Six Flags, and it was a lot of fun. And um, I, I can relate to you, 100, right now.
1: Kyle, I'll tell you right now. Almost every time I ask you a question, I re- I regret it. Almost every time. Craig, <laughs> can I get can it back me up? Yeah, Coach. I listen. You're telling me, man. Craig like, got enough out of you too. Kyle, let me tell you though. Dabo, sweetie, what is what is a Dabo? Dabo. <laughs> I like think Dumbo, Dabo. It don't matter, Gumbo, whatever. Uh, we, we on a victory tour here. And, and I know we had this man to my right. Chris Marla, great, great humanitarian, great American. Two things. He said, Alabama going to have a revenge tour season. Uh, uh, I mean, he said a lot of dumb things, but that, that, <laughs> God, I don't know if you like cake. You talk about cookies all the time. If you like cake, that one take the cake. Work, are take, like cake. take yeah. the cake. Uh, I'm going to get out of here because we're going to drink some bourbon for breakfast of what we do for the next 258 days to the next SEC championship or SEC football game. You guys did a tremendous job, did you? But you know you know who did it one better? That, that's that's me. That's me. <laughs> we're going to get out of here. Y'all have a good one. Coach, that was uh, amazing. You smell awful. You smell. Yep. I mean, you reek of bourbon. But it looks good on you. looks good on you.
0: Did you see the cut that he had on uh, his forehead before the game? <laughs> no, you, the know, most, he's, the most you know he's fact thing
1: slamming ever. his forehead into a locker or yep. someone else's helmet,
0: though. Irk Russell yep, style. That, was, that rolled off the tongue so easily when Tom Erdahl, said that. He said, yeah, Coach O got injured. Uh, he, that, that cut came from trying to pump up the team uh, in practice before the game. And everybody's like, yeah, okay. That, yeah, obviously next. What, what else? <laughs> if, tell, me, tell me if it's not from that because Dude, that would be news.
1: You know what I didn't think about? You're speaking talk about practice. Do you think that they would have won?
0: Do you think Clemson would have won if they didn't have to practice in their hotel? It's a great point. People, people are gonna forget about that. People are gonna, talk about practice. How about the AI move that Justin Jefferson had? Mike, that was filthy. I, you know, that it, was disgusting. Just, just so we're all on the same page, real quick. We're all adults here.
1: I'm, I'm 33. Connor's 29.
0: 29 soon to be 30.
1: 29 soon to be 30. I'll tell you who's in charge of, of just what, what I've always known to be true. Who's in charge of planning your trips is your own damn team. So if you don't have a backup plan, if it rains, that's not anybody else's fault. Fair
0: there enough. you go, Clemson. Head Hope of Clemson Ops. Dabo. The head of Clemson Ops is the reason that Clemson did not win the national championship. Let's talk about next year because if you're a Clemson fan, that's the thing that you are holding on to and probably trying to trying to be able to, to move on. This is the thing that's, that's helping you right now. Clemson is going to be the overwhelming choice to be number one in the country to start the twenty twenty season, and because this is what we do in this business, I did a way too early top twenty five. Oh, you can find it on SDS right now. You can go read it and tell me that I am. An oh, idiot. I'm going to in a heartbeat. By the way, just so, just so you know, there are two things that did happen already
1: on social media. Just we need to have an off season drinking game when I'm allowed to start drinking again. But we post all this stuff about Clemson losing the twenty nine one. It took two minutes. For someone to respond, free rent, living rent-free in your dome or whatever it is. And it was like, they just played a national championship against that team. What are you talking about? Second off, it took less than an hour for a Clemson fan that's a, I wouldn't say friend of mine, but a friend on Facebook made the comment, bet against us next year. Guarantee we're we'll winning the national championship. Like, okay, here we go.
0: Marler, the New Year's resolution of not drinking, well, at least not drinking in January, that appears to be going yeah. well, but the whole not listening to the haters and the comments Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's going on. That's,
1: well, we, I mean, when you make jokes about Jake Fromm being a worse quarterback than Derrick Henry and people not getting that being a joke, you, you got to take a... I thought you were serious. <laughs> so we, gotta, we, you know, was, uh, quick, we got a, you know, just real quick, we got a long DM telling me that I needed to personally apologize to Jake Fromm. And it was reporting me to SDS, which was fun for me because he was basically Ooh, reporting to me to me since I was checking the DMs. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I'm going to say it. I'm not going to apologize to Jake Fromm for the joke that I made. He is a much better quarterback than Derrick Henry.
0: Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to to 2020. There are still some things that we're waiting on, and we make this way too early Top 25 because it's a fun topic of discussion to be able to kind of turn the page to next year. But obviously, especially for a team like LSU, we're still waiting on NFL decisions. Guys like Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Grant Talbot, Thad Moss, among others, still have a decision to announce. So... We are sort of trying to weigh, all right, who are the guys that seem like obvious choices to leave and who are more likely to come back? That gets factored into this. Injuries happen, transfers happen. Who knows about De'Ara King and the future that he has. The Houston quarterback who announced during the national championship, total power move, by the way, um, that he is indeed transferring and despite the fact that he redshirted essentially the rest of the twenty nineteen season and said that he was just gonna sit out to save a year of eligibility, yeah. come back to Houston. He is not going to run it back Shocked. with Dana Holgerson. And now speculation has begun that he could be LSU's next quarterback, which gosh, just in case he needed one more thing to make this conference interesting, yeah. that would probably take the cake. My top let's I'm gonna do my top six and then I'm gonna tell you. All the teams that I, all the SEC teams that I have in my top twenty-five, because there's seven of them that I have in my top twenty-five. Yeah. I, Clemson at number one, Ohio State at number two, LSU at number three, Bama at four, Georgia at five, Florida at six. Very, very close behind. Florida I have behind Georgia. Um, number thirteen, Auburn. Number fourteen, Texas A&M. Number twenty-five, Tennessee. Yes, yes, Tennessee. The offensive line, getting Trey Smith back, getting KD. Best offensive line in the SEC. I think potentially, it, it, it definitely could end up being the best offensive line in the SEC. But I think they handle themselves in the trenches a little bit differently than ways that we've talked about Tennessee in years yeah. past when we've sort of got all aboard the Tennessee hype train. And putting them at number 25 is not to say I think they're going to win the division or anything like that. But I wanted to sort of get ahead of it. When you look at that breakdown, what is the most egregious thing to you? Please say, Bama. No, that's
1: fine.
0: I mean, you're dumb, but that's okay. not why. Um, uh, There's a lot of other reasons.
1: Auburn at 13, I will say Bo Nix is going to be a second-year starter. Who do they have return on that offensive line? That's the issue. Is it? They have, who, have one That's returning not, that's not think, the issue. The other issue they is who they have, have return on that defensive line. Yeah, so in the trenches, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. You lose Derek Brown, you lose Marlon Davidson. And, and oh, Nick, Coe. Nick Coe, who declared early. Can't forget that. Um, I think Auburn in the trenches – has some issues and if, for me to put them in the top 10 they would have to have a lot more returning what? experience yeah why would yes. you have them in the top and i don't i think there i think there are people who are going to put auburn in the oh top i'm sure of there are because gonna be, but you're smarter than that because well and that's why i had them at, at 13 and not in the top 10 just because i think that there are, there are teams and especially if you look at a team like oregon yeah. or wisconsin I think those teams are going to be significantly better in those areas than Auburn. Or at least I have much, much fewer questions about them. So Auburn is kind of this in this second tier of SEC teams with a and But the interesting thing is doing this breakdown, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I don't know. I can't name a year in which there are four realistic teams, I think, two from each division, who could win the SEC and go to the college football playoff and compete for a national champion. Because I think LSU, Bama, Georgia, Florida are all in that sort of tier one where they're going to be really close together in the rankings probably when it comes out. But I think that that is such a fascinating development because this is going to be – and I'll have to look this up. This is probably going to be the first year in which we don't have an SEC team in the top two to start the year – in a while, I would think a, there will be an SEC team in the top two, ahead of Clemson or Ohio State. Ahead of Ohio State, do you think Bama's going to be ahead of Ohio yeah. State with Justin Fields coming back? I, I'm
1: just saying they're going to give it to LSU, or they—I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to rain. We do a beer
0: bet. Let's do a beer not bet. I'm, my that, beard I'm, I'm over that. a preseason. Poll. Oh come on! I already lost one. We need to do another All I'm one.
1: Is, well, we can do it on something different than this. But but like Ohio State no. should be good, but. They're losing Chase Young. They're losing a lot of players in that secondary. They're, I don't – like, like. I, all I'll say is this. If you think that the SEC and a, and a program like Bama or a team like LSU, even despite all the people they're going to lose, isn't going to – I think LSU is too high here because of everything they're going to lose on defense.
0: Yeah, and that's the, that's a little bit of the two be And that's not, and that's not saying that it's not raining out. on anything that they were able to do
1: this year or trying to – to say they're not going to be good next year. I'm just saying in a preseason poll, if we're looking at it objectively, I think you, you have a easy easy chance of sitting here and looking at a team like Florida, a team like Georgia, a team like Bama, possibly being ahead if, if you're being objective over LSU based off the people they're going to lose. You're losing Joe Burrow. You, you're losing Delpit, <clears throat> the quarterback on both sides of the ball. You're, you're going to lose Divinity, right? Is he gone? Uh, I think... That, I don't uh, if either way, either way, if he's not. He is. They're going to lose some players in the secondary. They're going to lose Fulton. I tell you what, man, that Patrick Queen made himself some money last night. He was he, he was absolutely all over the field. I think Rashard Lawrence is. I well. would have Florida ahead of Georgia. I think Georgia's going to have the best defense in the country. And I think they have the best defense in the in college football since the 2011 Bama defense. Next year, I
0: I I they lose nine of eleven on offense. I know, and I think that there are a lot of Florida fans who are going to be really upset with me for that starting yeah. ranking. To be clear, this reason. isn't my way of saying this isn't my way of saying that I think Georgia is going to beat Florida yeah. again. I, I'm not I'm not saying that. I haven't made that prediction yet. I haven't even said if I think Georgia's gonna win the division yeah. yet. I'm gonna wait and see how all this stuff plays out with injuries, with with development and you know, even transfers and all that stuff. A lot can change. The most egregious over the thing the here is the at
1: thirteen ahead of A and M. And the fact that A and M returns Here's, like eighteen of twenty two players for next year, the you yeah, have them at fourteen they do. is
0: crazy. So I and I know I'm going to get flacked for that as well, but it's still the stat about those 300 minutes against against top 15 right. teams or top 10 teams, whatever it was, and the fact that A and M had a lead for seven of those yeah. minutes and losing two of the two of Kelman's top three uh, go to targets, I think, which we didn't necessarily expect. Yeah, did and I, I had up. said before I'm going to wait I'm going to wait on A and M just because I want to see if all those targets come back. Uh, then that's a little bit of a different story but you know losing justin matabike I, I just think that some of the some of the things that AM still has to show are, are out there and for them to start in the top 10 to me i i, can't, I just can't quite get there yet yeah. i think that there are more teams that return that return more proven talent from a national standpoint and i don't want to necessarily say cuz there are a lot of people and we talked about the schedule last week who are going to say well that's a that's a team that's going to win 10 11 games yeah in the same way that i did not punish AM for the brutal schedule that they had coming into this past season i am not going to reward them for the favorable s- schedule that they have coming into 2020 yeah. scheduling the the strength of schedule should have absolutely nothing to do with a preseason ranking if you want to predict preseason you know how many wins you think a team will have obviously that right. gets factored in but a preseason ranking is based on where it's, where i believe a team will be at if you stack them up on a neutral site Week one of Do so You think
1: that Auburn's going to be better than uh, A&M?
0: I, I, I think Auburn has the case to be better they lose than A&M. The best offensive yes, line, maybe
1: in college football history. They lose three three of the four guys
0: Do return their leading receiver, their leading rusher as well. That ground game is, is, is still I think going to him. be good. And Boneix. You is know, the
1: here's the thing, point. Connor. You probably thought Red Grange was a good athlete too. So we'll move on because it's 11:10. I got therapy at 12. Let's get it. Let's get after it. Okay, Texas Pete. Let me tell you something. You know, Connor's full of hot takes. Um, start calling you Texas Pete because you just you're a, you're a bottle you're that. a bottle full of heat. Sometimes with these with these takes, um, I, I will say we're not always right. One thing that is always right, and that is Texas Pete hot sauce. You know this this has been I, you're gonna get tired of me hearing it or tired of, tired of hearing me say it. Your boy is down eight pounds in a week. Okay, yeah, a boy, I haven't eaten anything besides Texas Pete. Uh, I've just been drinking the bottles, and I think that's pros- that's possibly an issue. Possibly, I'm kidding. Uh, we've been doing this whole thing called meal prepping, which is something that I've read in adult magazines and books that uh, the grown folk do. It's really smart. You just cook all your stuff beforehand. Yeah, yeah we've been doing this for like six oh, well, years. Proud of you, Connor. No one asked you. Okay, you're also running five Ks probably on Thanksgiving. No one's asking you that. You're in better shape than me, regardless. But you didn't lose eight pounds this week. <laughs> Shut up, you didn't need to. Anyway, regardless, so we have been doing this thing called meal prepping, which is just a boatload of fun on Sundays. Um, and, you know, the the staple of all that, besides uh, Allie telling me to to get off the couch and stop watching The Office, is Texas Pete. So make sure you go out to the store this week. It could be a Publix. It could be a, a Harris Teeter. It could be a damn Winn-Dixie if you want to. Probably get a good price at a Winn-Dixie. Go get you a bottle of Texas Pete today. Get the wing sauce. Get the mild wing sauce. Good God, they're so good. So good. No sugar added either. So make sure you get some Texas Pete today. Um, We are officially in the off season, but it doesn't mean the tailgating has to stop. If anything, it should probably ramp it up a little bit because we need something to help get us through until next fall in football. So make sure you are sending us your recipes, sending us your tailgate shots, or just your outdoor grilling once the the weather is ready uh, with the hashtag sauce like you mean it. Now let's get into fourth and wrong, and then a very special fifth fifth and wrong. Oh boy! Oh, oh yeah. boy! Um, all right. First question: fourth and wrong. We do this every week. Uh, this is the championship edition. We've got four questions, then we're gonna get into the Shreveport story. I can't believe this is happening. First question: fourth and wrong. How much championship merch is it appropriate to buy? That is from our good friend Nick Hallaby, who, by his own admission, had roughly an hour and a half of sleep last night, which is more. It's about an hour twenty nine minutes more than I thought he'd have.
0: That's not yeah. bad. That's actually that's, that's a pretty good good amount. I think I had, what, five hours of sleep last Oof, night? yeah. So a little bit more. Um, wasn't celebrating, though, the same way that Nick Halaby and, and company probably were. I, I, I think go all in. With, with a championship, the the biggest mistake people make is buying the division yes. title shirts yeah. or conference championship shirt. It's those that are for suckers. Wait and buy the championship yeah. stuff. Because or nothing at all. You, you, I think the championship stuff is, is worth it because... You, you have a solid three to four years, I think, where you can wear that yeah. around with pride. I still wear my 2016 Cubs World Series stuff all over Gross. the place. I have a Tervis that I drink out of every single day. That's Cubs World Series. I have a Cubs World Series hat it's that I wear all the time. That, no, I, I'm just saying a hat in general. I'm wearing a Bears hat right now. But um, I think that the championship merch is, is worth it. And it, don't think of it as like, oh, well, am I going to wear this 10 years from now? No, but you get to wear it for the next three to four years and remind everybody, yeah, we won. Yep. And it's a flex. It it's a flex. flex to be able to wear it. So I think to give you to give you a dollar amount, if you want to spend over 100 bucks on yeah. championship merch, there's nothing wrong with that. My dad went and cleared out basically Dick's Sporting Goods because he's like, you know what? This is the first Cubs World Series I've seen in my lifetime. And it turned out to be the last, last season that he was able to even be alive right. for. And he had the presence of mind to recognize, like, Look, this is this is not going to come yeah. around, and, and I'm going to soak up every single moment of this. So go out, drop drop a bill, drop yeah. two bills. I don't care. Well, I
1: tell you what, I'm glad you pointed out the fact that getting a division champ. If I ever see somebody wearing like SEC West champs, you're like you are stupid. That is dumb. You, and, and here's the thing about the SEC conference champs. What you want to do is it, like this is this is a pro move. Get get if you want a conference. I don't I don't honestly care about. Like I'm not going to ever wear a conference championship shirt. Like in this day and age, when, when you're going to win like a national championship. Like it's not a sick right, I'm just saying it's a waste of money. What you want to do, pro move here, wait until you get to the the national championship and then buy yourself an SEC championship shirt or hat if you want one because it's going to be like half off. But don't ever go right out the gate and buy yourself conference championship shirts. I see Georgia fans all the time rocking those hats to, like SEC Champs 2017 and that was an incredible season, but it's like you know that when they win that national championship, that that's going to be way in the back collecting dust compared to the national championship shirt. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, I will say, oh, man, 2009, I had, I had like a we're messing with Texas shirt, which was gray for some reason. So that never got worn. But, you know, one thing that's cool mm-hmm. here, and maybe this is just me, the way I grew up. But I remember my dad had a big trunk of, uh, of shirts, old shirts. Like Rolling Stones concert or blah blah blah. like national championship from seventy eight like it's stuff you can hold on to. It's kind of cool. So spend as much as you want. I'll say that. Um, Will Keithler asks, "What's the best excuse for calling hooky into work?"
0: If you say you have some sort of stomach bug and you spent the night, if you say you spent the night on the toilet, nobody's gonna ask any more questions. That is the ultimate. Yep, don't come in. Don't come in. We don't want to be around that. Um, I think the fake sneeze, cough mm-hmm. thing is, is is overdone. But if there's something just in your stomach, I think that's the ultimate excuse because you don't have to show physical signs yeah. of that. And it could just—I I, could—I could be sitting here right now, and you, you wouldn't know if I've had a stomach bug for the last three or yeah. four days because you're not in this vicinity experiencing this bathroom. Man. Um so yeah, that's that's go-to.
1: I will say when I worked at Houston's, the amount of times I got food poisoning was just, oh man. It you you know, it was bad. I never learned my lesson. Never learned my lesson. Just just kept getting food poisoning. And that was my go-to.
0: Yeah, that's amazing yeah. to me. I mean that
1: that was that was they never they never they can't question it because it's one of those things where it's like, well get a doctor's note. I'm like I'm not gonna get a doctor's note. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out the D word and and say that I've got the die Blah blah blah. I'm not gonna say it on here because it's a PG podcast. But got the yeah, sports. Okay, that is way too much. Um, I will say, 2012 national title against Notre Dame. I was working at that sales job that I never sold anything at, and I hadn't had a day off because I was working there, <laughs> and since I wasn't good at sales, I was also bartending on. Like, and I hadn't had a day off since November, uh, or no, I had one day off. I had Christmas off. That was it. Um, and I had worked every other day for like basically two straight months. Every every single day, New Year's Day, all of it. It was awful, and I requested off for the day after the national championship, knowing that I was going to get blackout drunk and be crazy because I was like 25, and they're like, "We have a, a beginning of the year sales meeting," and I was like, "Yeah, well, I'm not going to be there because I've requested off like a month in advance," and they're like everyone has to go. It's at 8:30, and I remember waking up at 10:45 and just turned off my phone, and I was like, "Oh God!" panicked. And the worst <laughs> part was the worst part was is that I knew we were going to win, and so and I I didn't say at my house; I said at somebody else's house, and so I had packed clothes to wear to, to work. But it was like houndstooth pants with a red elephant on the back and then a Bama tie and like all this Bama paraphernalia. So then I had to walk in like miserably hungover, obviously probably still drunk for the night before, wearing everything that would tell you that why I'm late. It was the worst. So I, I yeah. That sounds pretty you awful. wanna you just we just have- get get that cough going around one if you're gonna do that, but just just Go, go get sushi. Go get sushi and say that you, you got food poisoning. That's it. Third question. We're getting dangerously close
0: to the street board story.
1: <laughs> Katie Simmons said, who would you like to see perform at halftime and or sing the Star Spangled Banner?
0: Two most talented people that I have oh, ever seen in God. person.
1: Chris Stapleton. Wait, what do you? Oh. And who else? Don't take
0: Tim McGraw. No, no. Tim McGraw is not in the top. Beyonce.
1: Keith you're Urban's more Beyonce. talented.
0: No. Yes, I am going to say Beyonce. You know what? I am going to say Beyonce. I'm going to say Beyonce and I'm going to say Chris Stapleton because they bring it. They yeah. absolutely bring it every single time. You never question, oh, are they kind of phoning this yeah. in. Everybody's questioning last night. Hey, Tim McGraw phoning it a little bit. I've seen Toby Keith live, blackout drunk. He was blackout drunk, not me. Um, no, judging. you're just like, okay, this guy doesn't even know what's going on right now. He can't <laughs> sing a note. Stapleton, Beyonce—that that would give you chills with the, some of the notes that they would hit. I feel like we're we're being wrong by not having them do more national anthems. Yeah, that's
1: fair. You know, it is it is weird to me. To, to, every time we see the national anthem, I made the joke about this during bowl season, where it was like, "Here's like, you know, we need these bowl games because we need people like Gavin DeGraw and Jason Mraz to get a, a paycheck every once in a while and seeing these yeah. sing the national anthem or halftime show at like the Meineke Car Care Bowl. Uh, this like, I wish they would, the big, the big events deserve the big names. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want, like, Chris is great. Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> Fergie. <laughs> she did that, that was one of the best ever. I, I will say, I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to cop out here on my answer. Whitney Houston, I don't give a blank if you play, if, if, if I know she's dead, put up a T- hologram, man. man. Put up a hologram. Or just play the audio from that 1991, which is the greatest year in the history of, of America, and I'll explain why at some other point. I wrote a whole damn article about it one time. Make America 1991
0: again. When I was, oh yeah, because Bulls won, Bulls won championship nope. that year, so that'd be a really good, Not good year to go back to. Um, there was one time when I was at a Brad Paisley concert, and they came, they they busted out this. I, I was sitting yeah. really far back because it was it was country, it was country thunder, so like we're Jeez. really, really far back. And they bust out this Carrie Underwood hologram for the duet song, one of the duet songs that they have together, and everybody, we were at that point where we were kind of buzzed enough where we believe anything, and we we thought for a while that that was actually Carrie Underwood. we were we we're like freaking out. People around us are freaking out because it looked very very real, and they weren't zooming yeah. in on like the the big screen, but holograms will mess with you, man. That's all I gotta say about I, that, man,
1: Connor. Some of these concerts you've been to are just like I've been to some bad concerts. A blast. I want to. I you just said country thunder and I threw up my mouth. Um, I <laughs> hey. okay, so let me, all right, hold on. Let me get the bad taste of out of my mouth real quick with the, with the more Americana concert here. I saw Ted Nugent and ZZ Top, uh, which Ooh. was we'll get to the Shreveport story here in a minute. It was a Olive Branch from the one of the main characters in the Shreveport story you're going to hear about. To to be friends again, which was from my dad. We went to this stupid concert, and Ted Nugent did that song, Kiss My A, and brought down a massive, not a hologram, but a cutout of Saddam Hussein. And then and then and it was just singing. I think I've told the story before he's just singing the song was Kiss My A, and it was like Kiss My Ass, and it was just like him saying people's names, and then him saying, Kiss my ass afterwards. That was it, that was the whole song. And then he's like, and I got one more person that can kiss my and he brings down this massive cutout of Saddam Hussein and takes a bow and arrow on stage, lights the, bow on fi- or lights the arrow on fire, and then sits here from across the stage. And it's like up in the rafters and puts an arrow right between like in his forehead. And, it- and the entire meth lab slash concert that we were at was just like, yes! It was, it was ridiculous. That sounded just like my <laughs> Country Thunder. <laughs> All right. Last question for Shreveport. Get, oh, man. Since the Houston Astros got caught, have you ever cheated at a sport or test and got caught or got away with it? That's from McCalin
0: Crabtree. I took steroids once. Go ahead, Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> How do I follow that up? There is nothing I can say. Because everything I, I could possibly say is, oh, like one time I set an illegal screen on somebody and I basically was just trying to decapitate them and end their life. Yeah. Um, in basketball, it's like sophomore year when we're like in the middle of practice and there were there were two or did three kids practice? I did not like on our basketball team. Damn, yeah, Donald. yeah, I was savage. I'm telling you, I get a little bit heated with these your own team. Yeah. man. Yeah, uh, these. Well, I was I was a backup. I want to start, wow, um, so much um, fun. but I would like blatantly like stick a knee out or you know give a, give him a, an extra jab just yep. every single time. And I know that's not necessarily cheating. I never really got called out for it, except there was one time where um, I actually did get called out because. I came down with a rebound. We we're the sophomore team, sophomore basketball. Yeah, weird, weird story. Uh, in high school, we we're scrimmaging against the, the the freshman team. I came down with a rebound, and I like ripped it away from this kid, this this freshman who I thought was just kind of on me. I didn't like have any malicious yeah. bone in my body to like elbow him like or anything it. like that. No, I actually did it in this moment. I, I didn't, but the freshman coach just starts cursing me out, just yelling at me, like stops the game to yell at me and says, you want to pull that blah, blah, blah. And like, like, like runs me off the court essentially. And like, and my soft, I told my sophomore coach, I'm like, look, I didn't, I didn't actually try and do anything malicious there or anything like that. Like, you know that, right? He's like, yeah, that guy's just a psycho. But I got, it was, it was kind of embarrassing. So I guess I kind of had it coming because I've had other moments in my life, but I guess that's not necessarily cheating in the conventional sense. All right. Tell us the steroid story. (laughs) Tell us the steroid story and then tell the us the story story. Was
1: just, I took story. Like, there was a dude I played baseball with in college and he wanted to do it because he wanted to go pro and I was his workout partner in the offseason, so I took one shot. That was it. I, I mean, I quit the same year, so it wasn't like it was like some big... Thing, like helped me get an advantage. I did do twenty two pull ups that day. That's the most I ever did. You always tell that, that is part. the best part, yeah. and it was ironically enough. This is because I remember where I was when it happened. It was it was the day that Saban got hired at Bama. Just just, just just ironically enough, the 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 worst. I got caught cheating on a test my sophomore year of high school. The only reason I'm sharing any of the stories because we're doing the stupid tree fort story. And now I'm starting to panic a little bit and just project on everybody. So this is – shouldn't share any of this probably. Just, I was a terrible kid back in the day, I guess. Um, I, we had a person that got their – I think I've told this before. They got their TI-83 or TI-89 calculator, whatever it was. Sure. And you can put it on um, alphabet lock where you can just start hitting letters. And it'll, mm-hmm. And one of the people um, in my class basically went up and like, Hey, will you tell like – the, the, we had a substitute teacher right before finals, and she had the final out with all the answers. It's all multiple choice. So she had the Scantron sheet out with all the answers. And she's like, can you show me how to do that um, that formula to figure out what I need to get on the final to get a B in the class? And she's like, yeah. So she's like going over and, and she's just typing in the letters the whole time. All 50. Comes back. We write them down. Goes back up. She's like, will you tell me one more time? Just one more time? Get the next 50. Wow. I wrote it down like on a small piece of paper. Oh, you know what? The worst ever? I had a vocabulary test in, in sophomore year that I cheated on where I took a – I took the vocabulary test and I I made a because uh, we, we had to turn in this like packet at the end of the week and I had a um, you, you had to take the packet so you had like forty words on on this, on this one sheet so I I, I I xeroxed it at school like an idiot okay I made a copy of it cut it up and put it on the on the front of my McDonald's cup because it was like Friday morning we went to like McDonald's like you know every Friday or Chick Fil A whatever it was and I taped it to my cup sat it in class. Realized that I left my packet in the actual um, coffee machine in the library. Left the cup. Oh, came my back. Gosh. My teachers holding the cup. Like, what's this? And I was like, You gotta be kidding me! I got I got caught like red-handed. So she still made me take the test. I got a 90, 97 on the test. There was no reason to cheat at all.
0: You're like Nixon with Watergate. You didn't have to cheat and you still so did dumb.
1: it. All right. Let's, this is like all the worst stories of mine.
0: Let's let's do it. So for those who don't know. We have talked about this incident, I've heard this story oh, as well. Man. And there are certain details that shall not yeah. be revealed about this story that always need to be confidential because there are people involved in the law that could make this very difficult for you. So you can tell what you're allowed to tell, but for those who don't know the Shreveport story, please inform them. Oh, my goodness gracious, alive.
1: All right, so I'm 15. We go to Houston in Dallas for this, uh, this trip. And, um, we are basically, this is like, I'll just, you know what? I'm just, I'll say it's the parent that I don't talk to. It's not Patty Sue. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. So we'll paint the picture. Me, him, and my stepmom at the time. And so we are, we go on this vacation. I have like a a baseball, um, showcase that we have to go to and we go see a different baseball park and we're on the way home. We spend a night in Shreveport. Okay. it was actually like supposed to be a couple of days. We only ended up sitting one night. Reason why is because we stayed at this like resort type place. And I don't remember the name of it. I honestly don't. But we went, it was like a place where you can stay in these like kind of cabin type places and and then play golf. So we go to play golf and I'm not good at golf. The person I'm playing with, which is my dad, he's awful at golf. And and at one point he had, he had a quite a temper. Um, At one point we're on like the 12th or 13th hole. And it's like a par three, and he's hooked a ball into someone's house, and all of a sudden, somebody comes out on their patio and is screaming and hollering at him. And my dad he drops another ball to hit and hooks it again, and then gets like mad, hits another house. He gets mad at this guy screaming and hollering at him, like that's what affected it. Like, not in my backswing. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, you better go pick up that ball, and blah blah replace your divot. And he's screaming and hollering at my dad. And he's getting madder and madder. And so, instead of just, like, kind of ignoring it or leaving or doing the right thing, which was all the above, replacing the divot, going to alert whoever's house you just hit several times, any of the stuff that would be a cordial, like, active, good member of society would do, he decided to grab a, a golf club and start... Very hurriedly marching towards this man. And they got into it. And I just remember like he swung the golf club through it at this person. Didn't hit him, but then had another one with him just in case. And they went at it. Got him back. He up. he definitely did. Uh like I mean <laughs> God, this sucks. Um this is just so you know. We shouldn't have said the thing about the steroids. And this is not indicative of who I am as a person. And I, I know I make a lot of jokes, but this is not who I am. I just want everyone to know that this is this is a per, a person in my family that that I am not associated with anymore. And and I just I want to be clear about that. There's like several. They're they're like rolling and and hitting each other and fighting. And I'm just sitting here like I'm 15 or I'm 16. I'm like what like what the what the. Dad, like, what, like what, what are we doing here? Like, what, what do I do? So, that happens. The gentleman who was yelling is now on the ground in pain. I'm sitting here like, are you kidding me right now, dude? Like, what? Like, I'm, I'm an accomplice to this. And all I'm hearing is, drive, go, go, go. And I'm like, what? To, to where? Like, like, to what? Gosh. And so, this man has called the cops. Because he, he had his phone with him the whole time, he 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 had started to threaten to call the cops at the instance of my my father like screwing back at him and blah blah. blah. Um, we drive. I'm driving back and I'm like, what to, like what to where? And he like, I'm like going. <laughs> I start going back towards like the clubhouse, like because I didn't know. Like I didn't. I'd never done anything like this. I I didn't do anything in this one either. It was just kind of like a weird thing. So we rip the steering wheel over and just go straight to the the, the house and it's like. Or the cabin driver's like, get all your stuff, blah, 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 Like, we we gotta go. We gotta go right now. We leave. And I am just sitting here like they silence the entire ride home, which is a very long ride home. And I'm like, this sucks. Like this absolutely sucks. Like I don't, I don't know what to say. Um <laughs> just and I know I talked about cheating on tests, but I was such a good kid at this point. I was in several D groups. Like Pastor Patty Suit knows nothing of this. And I get home and I get a voicemail, we get a voicemail on, like, the landline, because this is how long ago it was, um, basically said they had a call from the Shreveport Police Department. And it was like, you need to call us and let us know what happened. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You definitely do. Um, and then we got, like, several follow-up phone calls that were never returned. Um, not by me, because I this was I was 16. And just, like, living this horrific... Nightmare of a situation. And and then we got, a, like, a letter saying there's, like, a warrant for your arrest in, in Shreveport, Louisiana, for both of us. Which was...
0: Because you were an accomplice. You
1: drove the getaway car. At 16. And to this day, it's. I know we joke around a lot about it, but it's, like, it's one of those things, man, where... Ugh, we don't talk a lot about this person on the podcast for a reason, and this was... Uh, one of the reasons why just because this was like a this situation itself wasn't repeated but it was a very toxic person that don't have any anything else to do with now and uh that is why i've never shreveport. been in shreveport since then
0: yowza and that folks is the shreveport story if you there are, there are going to be people who are Going to maybe not listen to the pod right away, and they're going to say in the Facebook group, wait, he told the Shreveport story, he finally told it. Yes, that is the moment that you're going to want to go back and listen to. But this is a happy it is podcast. a happy podcast. And LSU, LSU is a national champ. The SEC has won 10 of the last 14 national championships, and LSU fans are still drunk. Maybe they listen to this entire podcast <laughs> while intoxicated. Shout out to you yeah. if you did that. Um, Sean Larkin, we know that was <laughs> you. We definitely know that was you. Uh, But thank you, everybody, for for following along this year. This season's been just an absolute blast. We've said it before. We'll say it again. None of this happens without everybody listening. And we're going to keep you plenty entertained during the offseason. We're going to have an interest meant more sometime soon. I don't know what that is necessarily going to be. We're going to plan out the details. We're still working out what our schedule is going to look like. Maybe we'll do some stuff kind of putting a bow on the year that was. Still, kind of just trying to figure out what exactly we want to do moving forward and what our regular schedule is going to be. I know last year we went down to one podcast after the national championship per week. We'll see if that's the schedule that we stick to. We've got to talk to our bosses, the powers that be, with all of that. But we will keep you plenty entertained. We promise that. Make sure that if you are not yet follow us on all forms of social media, our Facebook group, as we always talk about, Saturday Down South Podcast on Facebook. Give us a like, give us a follow. Follow us along on Twitter uh, at the SCS Pod, at Vern Funquist, at CJ. Okay, our new Twitter handle is going to be coming yeah. in. I'm sure yeah. you're going to have it. Really soon. From, um, All right, sticking with it, sticking with the brand. Um, five star reviews. If you have not yet, please, please leave us one. Just because the off season doesn't mean you need to take a break. I'm oh leaving us a five star review. Subscribe if you have not yet to the Saturday Down South podcast. Coach O, I know you're gone, so I guess I'm just saying this tomorrow. Oh. But what do we need to remember about the year? It has been- too much. We will talk to you guys again real soon.